0: Welcome to the Gospel of Grace Radio Broadcast, a Primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This weekly radio program is brought to you by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We now invite you to stay tuned for our message this
1: morning. You are now listening to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, and I'm Joe Nettles, and I welcome you, and I also welcome you on behalf of Elder David Wise, and if you're a returned listener, we appreciate you, we thank you, we covet your prayers, and we want you to go to gospel-of-grace.com and let us know that you're listening. Uh, I serve Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, located at 40283 Wolf Road in Caledonia, Mississippi. 10.30 a.m. every Sunday morning is when we meet, and also... Go to Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, located at 11 Staten Road, just north of Ackerman on Highway 15. They also meet at 10.30 a.m. every Sunday morning. Elder David Wise is their good and learned pastor. We also meet together at 6 p.m. every Wednesday evening. At present, at the La Quinta Inn Conference Room, 6 p.m. every Wednesday. That's in Starkville, Mississippi. And Very soon, we will change our venue, and we will uh, announce and publish that, where that new venue will be for this meeting, and we want you to come and join us. Again, go to gospel-of-grace.com, and please let us know uh, that you listen. If you have any questions, we would welcome them. It's a very useful site, and we encourage you to take part in that. Now, we are beginning a series of messages on my time here on the radio uh, today. We're going to start out with Zechariah chapter 4 a chapter that is full of assurance and glory, a wonderful rich symbolism. And we hope and pray that the Lord will bless me to be able to unpack it and teach it in such a way that it would glorify the Lord and it will edify you. So stay tuned with us. And after this hymn, we'll be right back with today's message. Thank you so much for staying tuned with us here at the Gospel of Grace Radio Broadcast. And if you will, turn with me to Zechariah in the Old Testament, and we'll begin reading in chapter 4, verse 1. Now, for context sake, I would like to read quite a few verses, and then we want to try to unpack some of the symbolism that we see in this most beautiful chapter. In Zechariah chapter 4, verse 1, we read, And the angel that talked with me came again, and waked me, as a man that is wakened out of his sleep. And said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick, all of gold, with a bowl upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps, which are upon the top thereof, and two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl, and the other upon the left side thereof. So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my lord? Then the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt become a plain. And he shall bring forth the headstone thereof, with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. I'd like to stop reading at that point. Boy, we've said a mouthful already. This book of Zechariah was given to the children of Israel or to the Jews, more specifically, as they were being released from Babylonian captivity and returned unto Jerusalem. Now, as you remember, when the Babylonians came in, they utterly destroyed the temple of Solomon. The temple that was large, the temple that was grand, that was meant very much to the Jews. In fact, they had put entirely too much stock in the physical building and in the physical city of Jerusalem. So this rebuilding of the temple meant very much to them. But the problem was they had many adversaries. They were very poor. They were beleaguered. They were decimated because of the violence and the loss of life. Uh, But that was not going to be consequential. Because the Lord is here encouraging them and assuring them that this house will be rebuilt. And I'll tell you, they were encouraged to build this natural house in spite of all the odds, in spite of all the obstacles, in spite of all their discouragements and their doubts and fears. How? There's no better way to encourage the children of God to building a natural house than by giving them a prophetic assurance of the ultimate completion of the Lord's house, being eternal salvation of all the elect in Jesus Christ, our Lord, the completion of the house. And we see this message throughout this chapter and we hope to cover the whole chapter before we're done. But first, as you can tell, as we read through this, there's a lot of symbolism here and a lot of symbolism to unpack. And in this first message, we hope to be able to just kind of unpack some of this symbolism and kind of show you what it means and what it points to. First off, let's look at the significance of the context or the rebuilding of the temple. As we alluded to before, the temple represented God's house. Now, as probably comes to no surprise to listeners, repeat listeners of this broadcast, as taught by both myself and Elder David Wise, the picture of the temple the tabernacle in the Old Testament in many ways points to God's house or the church of Jesus Christ, and that church is triumphant. To establish that fact, we will go to a few passages of Scripture that draw a correlation, and hopefully, you'll be able to easily see the correlation between the Old Testament promises and covenants and allusions to a house, as well as some New Testament allusions to the house, as being directly related and uh, emulative of the ultimate fulfillment being in the church of Jesus Christ. So we go to 2 Samuel chapter seven. In the context of 2 Samuel chapter seven, God is making covenant promise about the perpetuity of the lineage and household uh, of David. And uh, during this covenant discussion in 2 Samuel chapter seven, we'll read beginning in verse 12. And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers. I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. Now, many people say, well, that must be meaning Solomon. Yes, but if you read the whole of these verses, you're going to see that it's establishing much more past Solomon, ultimately in the descendant of David, Jesus Christ. Anyway, i continue on verse 13. He shall build an house, Hear that now. He shall build an house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he shall be my son. Now, also in relation and connection to that, we go to Acts in the New Testament, Acts chapter 15. The setting here is they were having the council at Jerusalem regarding some troubles uh, that were troubling the church. Now, notice the words uh, that were declared in Acts chapter 15, And we'll begin reading in verse 13. And after they had held their peace, James answered. And James being the brother of Jesus Christ, who is at this time the pastor of the church at Jerusalem. And after they had held their peace, James answered saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me, Simeon, or Simon, Peter, hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets as it is written. After this, I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up. Now, this prophecy of the rebuilding of the church of God, the ultimate building of the church of God, we see this prophecy was given in Amos chapter 9, verse 11. And here, friends, James has brought it forward, showing forth the fulfillment of it in the New Testament church of Jesus Christ, which shows forth the successful salvation of all of the elect of God. Let's go to 1 Peter and look at another house uh, couple of verses regarding the house of God. 1 Peter chapter 2, begin reading in verse 4. To whom coming as unto a living stone, that's Jesus, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also, here he's addressing the church, this epistle, general to be circulated among the churches. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And finally, as if it wasn't clear enough to you already, we'll read one more passage. There are many others we could go to, but we're going to stop at first Corinthians chapter three, and we'll begin reading with verse 14. Again, establishing the fact that the temple tabernacle in the old Testament the building of it, the preservation of it, the trappings of it all pointed to the spiritual fulfillment of reality in the successful salvation of Jesus Christ. And we see that, uh, we rejoice in that and abound in that today in the new Testament church of Jesus. Now, first Corinthians chapter three, verse 14, here the context is speaking about, you know, whether you're adding wood, hay, stubble to the foundation that has already been laid, and that's Jesus Christ, or whether you're laying forth gold, silver, and precious jewels. Now, in verse 14, he said, If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Know ye not that ye, and that ye there, Y-E, is speaking of the plural. Here he's speaking not of an individual, but as the group, the church uh, collective. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. And that should give us a, a chill, my friends, to see how zealous and jealous God is over the sanctity of his house. I wish many people would stop and digest those passages of Scripture and stop doing some of the worldly and carnal things in what identifies as the Lord's church as they are doing today. Now, let's go on to the next symbolic item, which we covered in Zechariah chapter 4, and that was the lampstand or the candlestick. It was gold. It had a large golden bowl on top, and it said it also had seven pipes piping into it. And it also had two olive trees standing next to it. And if you go a little further down in the chapter, you see that there is a direct connection between these olive trees imparting of their oil directly into the lampstand. So what does this candlestick, or it also means lampstand, what is it emulative of? What does it point to? Well, it is also a type and shadow or picture of the church. The church, after all, is a place of great blessing. It's a place where the light gets turned on, so to speak, in seeing who it is that has saved you and worked this work of conviction within you, giving you a desire to be saved. Uh, Jesus spoke as much on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter five, when he said, verse 14, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. That means also... Uh, this uh, synonymous with a lampstand, a candlestick. You put the light up on it, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine. See, he brought this down to the personal level. Child of Christ, child of grace, child of God, member of the church. He said, "Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven." Another passage of scripture that is undeniable and unmistakable. When you see the correlation between the candlestick and the church of God, you go to Revelation chapter 1. And there we see uh, seven golden candlesticks. We see seven stars. And we see the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in the midst of the candlesticks. And now notice what the Lord Jesus declares in verse 20 of Revelation chapter 1. He says, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. And it's conspicuous that he went on in the next couple of chapters to address the seven churches of Asia Minor. See, candlestick points also to the church. Now, obviously, to the Old Testament Jews who were receiving this prophecy, they would have connected this lampstand with the lampstand of the tabernacle first and then later the temple. Now, what they knew about that lampstand was that it was extinguishable. That means it had to be continually tended by priests. And if they didn't tend it, if they didn't refill the lampstands, then the oil would run out and the light would go out. And that would have been a shame to have allowed that light to have been extinguished in the temple of, of Jehovah God. See, but this one is different. See, this is a mystical lampstand. It is not uh, identical to the uh, temple lampstand, again, that we said men had to tend, that men had to refill. This is one that is mystical. And the message to us today, my friends, is that what this lampstand represents, it will be full of oil, light, revelation, and anointing that can never be destroyed or distinguished extinguished excuse me by men for one thing it had a bowl on the top that would be filled with oil the fuel for the light and notice it also had seven pipes also to it those pipes are piping in what oil So not only do you have oil in the bowl, you have oil directly to the lights. And then on top of all that, you also had the connection, the direct connection to two olive trees. That's where the oil olive came from, was from the fruit of the olive tree. So here we see, I think, unmistakably a picture of not just your typical lampstand, but here's a lampstand that is meant to endure, a lampstand that will shine, a lampstand that we don't have to worry about will ever run out of light. No, my friends, uh, Jesus asked the question, will he find faith when he cometh on the earth? And we can safely say yes, Because he said, upon this rock or the rock of his revelation and those unto whom he's given light and revelation, he said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. See, I thank God that this lampstand is not wholly dependent upon the service and the attention of men, but God himself has determined that it will be preserved. Amen. Now, while we're talking about olive trees and pipes and lampstands, Let's talk about that which fuels it, that which gives it its power, its dynamic nature, that which puts off the light, that allows the light to shine, and that's the oil. In Zechariah chapter 4, it's called golden oil. And I'll tell you, that has a wonderful ring to it, golden oil. Well, What does the oil represent? Friends, we can go many places in the word of God, but we're just going to go to a few for time's sake and show you how this golden oil, the oil, represents spiritual power, authorization, and revelation. And we see this uh, alluded to many times in many pictures, many places in the, the word of God. First, we'll go to Acts chapter 10, and we're going to read verses 37 through 38. Now, as you're turning to Acts chapter 10, let me ask you if you remember. Do you remember from the Old Testament how priests were consecrated for service? What had to happen? What did they have to have before they had the right uh, to dare enter into the tabernacle and then later the temple and carry out the service of the Lord? Well, it was the anointing ointment or oil. It was made of oil. And now compare that to what we read about Jesus Christ, what happened with Jesus Christ in the very inception of his earthly ministry, as recorded in Acts chapter 10 and the preaching of Peter at the house of Cornelius. We'll begin in verse 37. That word, I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism, which John preached. Now notice here, he's setting, the, the setting is the baptism, after the baptism, which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. What was he talking about there? When was Jesus anointed? Here we're talking about the beginning of his ministry. Obviously, you can make a correlation with the beginning of the priesthood, uh, although he has ever lived to be our intercessor. But in his actual earthly service, how was he anointed? With what was he anointed? In the Old Testament, they were anointed with oil. Friends, in this day, he's alluding to the time when Jesus Christ submitted himself unto scriptural baptism, being fully immersed by the hands of the right administrator, and that was John the Baptist, as he plunged him under the water and he came up out of the water. What do we read? That the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost in the form of a dove, lighted upon him. That was his anointing. He needed the Holy Ghost, and he was going to carry on in the Holy Ghost, in the Holy Spirit, giving praise and honor and glory to his father as he used the power of the Holy Spirit, his own spirit, I might add, to do these wonderful works and to preach these wonderful things that he brought into the world. Very quickly, I won't turn there, but also notice from Matthew chapter 25, you remember the parable of the 10 uh, virgins that were... uh, identified as representing the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Now, what was the problem with these five foolish virgins? And what was the distinction between them and the five wise virgins? Well, they had oil in their lamps and the wise ones had tended them and they were full of oil and the others had let their oil run dry. And they wound up what? Being outside of the doors, out in the darkness and not being able to dwell in the joy of the fullness of the marriage. Now, friends, that's representative of children of God who do not obey, who do not seek. And more uh, directly, when that prophecy was given, or when that parable was given, I should say, he was speaking to the Jews who had been so neglectful and apathetic and had become so carnal, and their oil in their lamps had gone dry. What does it mean? They were going to have a spirit of darkness come upon them, that the revelation And the power that they could have enjoyed in the New Testament kingdom was going to be uh, taken from them, and they would be blinded and not be able to enjoy it. You see, that oil is synonymous with spiritual light and revelation. Along that same vein of thought, now we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and as we mentioned earlier, the consecration of priest servants in the Old Testament absolutely had to be by that oil, that Uh, ointment of the apothecary. It had to be used. It could not be used for anything else. And it had to be used for that. And if someone dared try to serve without it, their service was useless. It was noxious. It was rebellious. And that person would be killed. So we see a very important correlation there with what we read in 2 Corinthians chapter one. Notice the words of the apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians one verses 21 through 22. Now he which stableth establisheth us with you in Christ, and who establishes you in Christ? It's not anything you've done or your choice or anything like that. It was God. Now he, God, which establisheth us with you in Christ, and hath notice this, anointed. Oh, there's that oil picture, hath anointed us is God, who hath also sealed us, or that means given us an authoritative stamp of approval and And given the earnest of the spirit in our hearts. There, Paul is saying, why do we serve? How can we serve? Because we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. And we have that earnest. We have that evidence. Friends, without the Holy Spirit, uh, no man's service is worthy of God. Friends, you must serve him by faith. Well, from where does faith come? It's According to Galatians 5.22, it's a fruit of the spirit. My friends, you must have spirit in the preaching. It must be in the demonstration and the power of the Spirit of God, or else it's just a talk. It's not really preaching. Friends, how are you to sing? Well, according to Paul writing to the Corinthians, you are supposed to sing in the Spirit, you're supposed to pray in the Spirit. Everything we do, all of our service, uh, whether it be healings or whether it be prayers or whether it be uh, administrations of whatever kind it may be, according to the word of God, without the Holy Spirit, is it is in vain. Our worship is in vain. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ told the woman at the well that uh, the Lord seeketh them to worship him in spirit and in truth. Friends, without the spirit, it's a vain and a rote exercise in futility. But if you feel the spirit today, my friends, that means you've got work to do and that's to honor and glorify the Lord who has saved you. So that's all we have time for today. We wanna try to unpack a couple more of these things from Zechariah chapter four. I wish you could do it all in one message, but it's very, very rich with symbolism and we'll hope to be able to point out and kind of tie this all together in the next message or two. So until we're able to speak to you again of these wonderful things, may the spirit of the Lord bless and anoint each of you in a special way.
0: If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist church in your community. To find a Primitive Baptist church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find further contact information, you can visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com. You can also find our program on iTunes under Podcast, entitled The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Radio Broadcast. If you listen and enjoy our program, we would love to hear from you. You may contact us by email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road on Highway 15 just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. We would love for you to come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We invite you to tune in again next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord.